that was tough for me because the number one thing I will tell new moms is like, don't have expectations. Like, don't think like everything's going to be peachy and like, you're going to have, like people tell you that about labor, but they don't tell you that about like the first couple weeks. And like, it is hard. Like you've been through a lot and you're emotional and you're sore. And then you have this baby that's so fragile and needs so much attention and care that like you're new at giving. And I just feel like I had this expectation about taking him home and like having it be so great to like snuggle my newborn baby on the couch. And I was in the hospital. We were in the hospital for like a week plus. What gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women. Inspired by our online network, Breaking the Ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. For hockey expats, by hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hi guys, welcome back to Breaking the Ice. I am super excited to share with you that today we have another highly requested topic and that is having your baby overseas during the hockey season. My good friend from Graz, Cassie Garbowski, is joining me and she had her baby last December. It's her first child and I knew we were going to chat for a long time and so we decided to actually make this a two-part episode. It's just packed with a lot of information she shares about her birth experience, postpartum experience, and I love hearing about all of these things. I haven't really done a formal announcement on my podcast, but it's definitely come up. I am pregnant. I'm expecting my first baby, baby boy, in December, and actually he's measuring big, so now he's his new estimated due date is November 27th, but course, that could just change at any time. You really don't know when they're actually going to come. So we are so excited. We are so grateful and we cannot wait to meet him. I did a lot of planning leading up to even conceiving. I just had so many questions about like what I needed to get in the contract and, you know, what we need to bring over there with us and what birth was like with the language barrier. So I've had a lot of help from different girls that have had children overseas that have given me list of things or specific items that I should get before I come over there. And one of my best friends, Kelly, she had her baby boy Brixton in February in Germany. And so she's been helping me kind of go down the list and being like, okay, yeah, you need that or you definitely need this. And so that's been super helpful. I just keep like a Google Doc and start crossing things off once I've gotten that. I would suggest just trying to find someone that has a similar birth month as you. So what I mean by that is if I'm due December 2nd, I'm not going to need as much stuff as someone that's due in August or September, right? So I would try to find someone, you know, in November or December and kind of cross off like what they got for the time frame that they were there because usually we're only there till like March or April, So just the same as someone that would be due in March or April, they wouldn't need as much stuff as someone that would be there half of the season at least. So that is just something that 
has kind of helped me narrow things down because you do feel like you have to bring so much stuff, but it all just depends on how long you're going to be there, how old your baby's going to be, but you definitely want to be prepared. I know for me, sometimes I struggle with like reading labels and trying to figure out what's in what. So certain things like I don't want to go to the pharmacy for like nipple cream, (laughs) like LOL. Who would have thought If, like, if I didn't talk to people, I would have literally zero clue that I would need something like that. Like, excuse me? No one tells you these things. So, thankfully, I got my hockey girls to tell me, get the damn nipple cream. So, I got it. Went to Target, read the ingredients, boom. Now I don't have to go to the freaking pharmacy and try to translate that I need nipple cream over the counter. Yeah, that's one thing. (laughs) Anyways, I have most of my stuff that I need, so that's good. I would say... I'm probably going to do a full episode just on my birth experience once the time comes and I'm prepared to talk about it. So I don't really want to go in too much detail, but I'm sure if you're pregnant, you can relate right now that it's kind of a weird time to be pregnant. You know, we planned on getting pregnant in March and hoped that would be the case for a while and before this pandemic really like went full force. And a few things that have been A bummer, I would say, would be like my husband hasn't been able to come to any of my ultrasounds and it's not as fun showing him, you know, a picture, especially really early on at like seven weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh, look. And he's like, huh? Like, what? What? What is that? That's been hard and kind of disappointing, especially like now that the baby's getting bigger. He wasn't able to come to my anatomy scan last week. And so we wound up going to a private party or sorry, we went up we wound up going to a private ultrasound place that he was allowed to come to. So he did go to one of my appointments and another one we got the gender at 10 weeks by blood, but they also did an ultrasound. So I'm hoping that will change just once we get to Austria and he can be a little bit more a part of that experience because that's definitely something I want him to remember and just share with him. Another thing that has been hard for me is that the fact that I have not been able to have a baby shower and I love things like that. And so that it was not an option for me. For those that are also experiencing that, I'm really sorry. I know how you feel. I looked up just different ideas online and I found something called a sip and see. And it's basically after the baby is born that people can come over and kind of just have hors d'oeuvres and meet the baby. And I definitely think we will do something like that. I would say the third hardest thing has been not knowing if my family can come out. I know my parents, I'm really close with them and they're in their 70s and, you know, their health is my number one priority in terms of like them coming out. Like that's more important to me than having them come out to see my baby but I just know like within a couple of months after that they'll be able to see him when we come back to the states so everything's just so unknown and I think that just makes it challenging you know it's just continue to talk to people and share how you're feeling and I definitely have my energy back now that I'm in my second trimester and I'm just ready to really start popping and and just enjoy my pregnancy you know it only happens if maybe a few times if I'm lucky in my life and yeah, I really want to cherish it and just have good memories from it. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode. Enjoy and be sure to reach out if you have any questions.
Today, I have Cassie Garbowski joining me from Colorado, so we're pretty close in proximity, but Cassie and I met last season in Austria, and she was pregnant and due December 1st with her now six-month-old Rory, and this was around the time my husband and I started discussing pregnancy and planning when we wanted to start trying, so of course, I had tons of questions for her. Uh, Cassie, you're super practical and yet really sensitive in the best way to all different types of situations regarding pregnancy, childbirth, life after baby, (laughs) and I am so excited that you're here. Yay, I'm so excited too. Thanks for having me. Yes, and so for those that don't know me personally, it turns out my due date is actually December 2nd, so I'm quite literally (laughs) following in your exact footsteps. That's perfect. These questions come up super naturally for me, so I'm going to try to not ramble on so this episode doesn't go on for five hours. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to start off talking about, you know, when you're married and if kids are in your future, that next step is like discussing it. And so what was that like bringing (laughs) that up with your husband for the first time and kind of introducing the idea? Oh my gosh. So this is actually a funny story. So basically, um... The year before we went over to Austria for the, our first time overseas, we were in Colorado and we had been there for two years. And um, we always joked because there was a big group of us, like there was a lot of couples, um, but nobody had kids. Like the second year, there was like not one family with kids, <laughs> but we all had dogs. So like it was like a big joke because we were all just like dog parents. <laughs> Um, and we would go to like to the dog parks and like just get together and like have the dogs running around. Um, so that was kind of where we were at there. And then we decided to go over to Austria and it was like a complete switch um, because in Europe, like a lot of guys have families. It's very family oriented. There's a lot of like babies and young kids. Um, so I was not really prepared for that. Um, and that was like a big change for us um and the first year we were kind of like well that's cool like it's fun to have the kids running around and whatever um but throughout the season our mindset kind of evolved um to like hey like what if that was us having the kid running around um so especially with um our good friend Dana was pregnant there at a time like you said you're following my footsteps and I pretty much followed in hers yeah (laughs) um I had all the questions for her when I when we started thinking about um trying and everything so yeah throughout the first year in Austria um it just kind of started to creep into our minds probably mine definitely first more so (laughs) than Matt's Um, and yeah, so I started talking to Dana about it, who was pregnant at the time and very close to having her son. And uh, I was like, yeah, like, I kind of want to bring it up to him, but I don't really know how, like, I don't want to just like bring it out of the blue and like (laughs) everything. So I had been thinking about it probably for like two weeks, three weeks. I don't even know how long. And, um, there was like a couple times where I definitely could have brought it up and I didn't. <laughs> I just was like chickened out. You're um, so and <laughs> this is yeah, like thoughtful. it was like, a lot of- Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like literally navigating this in my head for the longest time before I actually talked to my husband about it, which is comical. But one <laughs> night we're actually laying in bed and like, we were both just kind of 
I think he was on his phone and I was just kind of laying there, which normally like I would be on my phone or like reading or something too. So he was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking about? And I was like, mm, you're going to be sorry you asked that question. <laughs> and so I kind of used that as a segue to be like, what if like we, cause at that point we were pretty sure we were coming back to Austria in Graz for the second year. Um, so I was like, what if we had a baby next year? And he was just like, oh my God, that's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to yeah. tell me that I need to do the dishes. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought you were going to be mad at me for not picking up the my underwear or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but he actually came around to the idea pretty quickly. Like, I, after I planted the seed, I was going to be, like, give him some time to think about it and not really bring it up again for um, a little bit. And he actually brought it up a couple more times, like, right away and was like, oh, like, should we do this? And Aww. we kind of decided um decided that yeah that would be a good good route for us um so that's we, perfect yeah a couple months later in the spring um we started trying and we actually got pregnant our first try so yeah <laughs> we're like okay here we go we're, <laughs> we're doing this. this yeah yeah and that was the same with us too and I'm pretty sure we have like the exact same cycle because yeah I mean, we obviously do <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, it's so, that's hilarious. Cause I, we, I mean, we obviously talked about things too. And like when you guys wanted to start and you said March and then here we are, December I know. due date. <laughs> I know. And it's funny about planting the seed too, because I feel like I always do that with Charlie, like a year before I want something to happen. So like when we were oh, dating yeah. and I wanted to get engaged, like a year before I was like, so I'm thinking like next summer we should probably like, you know, start getting engaged and then like a year before I want to have a baby I'm like so I'm thinking like maybe like next you know year spring sometime we should start trying to have a baby and then finally yeah. when I'm actually ready he's like totally on board because I yes yes <laughs> they just well the thing is like we like once we set our mind to something we're like okay this is what I want and they just take a little time to come around to things a lot like Matt in particular he's a super like he likes to have everything like he likes to be ready and it takes me a while to convince him that you're not going to be ready for certain things always mm -hmm. like it's one of those you're never ready but if the timing is right and like you think you can do it do it and right. that's kind of how we approached pregnancy <laughs> yeah and so were you guys on a two-year or did you resign around the time that you guys started trying to get pregnant we had resigned so we were on a one year in Graz um we ended up really liking it there, had a really good season. Um, and then, you know, they start doing contract negotiations pretty early, like in the beginning of playoffs or sometimes a little even before that. So I think they offered Matt another contract and I think it was like the end of January or February um, that we started talking to them about the following year. Um, and then, yeah, by the time March rolled around when we were like planning to start trying we already had like the contract signed and everything for the following year yeah that's nice to have that security when you're you know wanting to have a baby but so yeah when so with the insurance and the contract I know that's something that I asked you about um yes. I think a lot of people have questions on that actually one of the audience questions was is it free to have a baby abroad so when you have a contract in Europe, it's important to get everything in writing. And mm -hmm. what 
did you get in writing that said you were you and your baby were basically covered when the time so in Austria in particular um and I would think it's probably similar for a lot of the central European teams um at least the bigger teams like Germany and stuff um when your husband your spouse is employed um in the country they qualify for the universal countrywide healthcare um and it kind of umbrellas onto their spouse and also their children so um basically we always made sure that in our contract it said that i needed health insurance as well um because i know some teams will kind of try to maneuver out of that if they can or they'll get you like a different health coverage like the first year in Austria we had um Matt had like the Austrian health coverage but I had like a private health coverage it was really weird I still had health insurance cuz we had that in our contract and they gave it to us but it was a different one um but the second year since I was pregnant I got that universal health care which covered um you know my the birth and everything so mm-hmm. You basically just need to have in there that you need to have health insurance because um, if you fall under that government health insurance, that's basically all you're going to need for um, most of your doctor's visits and definitely your birth and your hospital stay and all that is covered under that. Okay. Yeah, because I'm thinking back to – because we signed – I think really just kind of hand in hand with when we started trying. And so I wasn't pregnant yet. And I remember telling you, I felt awkward being like my wife or having, (laughs) my wife is going to start trying to get pregnant. So we need to get this health insurance. So I feel it could probably be pretty vague just as long as like, I mean, I think it's early wife and family is covered. Yes. The health insurance. Yep. You just need to get that in there. It needs to be like, and it doesn't need to spell out like everything it needs to cover because as long as you have in your contract that you need to be covered under insurance, you're going to be fine with getting it um, taken care of. Yeah. And we didn't actually wind up requesting any baby items because I figured it would probably be pretty easy to get that kind of moved over to our apartment just there's a lot of movement and a lot of babies and so I didn't really figure it would be a huge issue but did you get anything in the contract about requesting items from the team? No so what I was going to say about that is you kind of have to know your audience so to speak. Um, So having been in Graz the year before and knowing that families had young kids had pregnancies during the season and new babies Um, I knew kind of how Graz was going to handle it and I knew they wouldn't give us a problem about providing like a crib and a changing table and the basic things that we needed. Um, and then I knew there are certain things that they wouldn't provide. Like, I think you just have to, if you've been with the team before and you can ask questions, absolutely do that, um, ahead of time and just be like, look, what's going to be provided and what do we need to provide for ourselves? Um. I feel like most teams are at least going to give you the basics Mm -hmm. as far as furniture. Um, And then if you have, if you're new to the team, I guess you would just have to try and get in touch with someone who's had a baby there um, and just see what their experience was. Like if they were provided stuff or if they really had to get everything on their own. 
Um, yeah. For us and for you, like Graz is great. They have a lot of team supplies as far as kids and babies go. So we weren't worried about getting a crib and all that. Um, so we didn't actually state that in our contract. I think we told them that we were going to be expecting in like June or July just to kind of give them a heads up so they knew um, that we were going to need that extra stuff um, yeah. in our apartment and all that. So we did give them a heads up pretty early over the summer just so they knew. And they were great. They were like, oh, congratulations. We're excited for you guys. And then um, Sylvia, <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sylvia was like, yeah, we'll get together a little closer to when you want to get the baby's room set up and get the items or whatever. And of course, as standard Europe goes, we did have to remind her a couple times, um, yeah. to get the stuff brought to our apartment, but we eventually got everything that we asked for. So that was no problem for us. But yeah, I think it's just a team by team basis. And if you can ask ahead of time, either someone who's been through it or just find out who takes care of that stuff for the team and talk to them. Just like kind of know what to expect, know what's going to be kind of on you to get um, or what they're going to provide. Yeah. And I think it helps, you know, not having your, ba I mean, obviously sometimes you can't plan exactly when you're going to be due, but you know, if you are planning it and it works out the way you're planning it, it is nice to have a little bit of a cushion period from the time that you get there to when you're actually having the baby so that you can kind of get yes. organized and get prepared. Because I think if my due date was like September, October, I would be a lot more <laughs> just kind of anxious about getting the team to make sure everything's organized just because yeah. I like to stay on top of things like that. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, that's nice that you probably got there around, you know, early August last year, and then you had a few more months to, to get settled in. Yeah. I actually didn't get there. I, I was working. So I actually stayed in the States until the end of August. I think I got there right in the beginning of September. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but I still felt like I had plenty of time um, to get everything ready. Of course, I was anxious to get over there and um, be with Matt and, you know, start nesting because I was one of those crazy <laughs> people who wanted to nest at like 25 weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think the timing of our pregnancy worked out nice. I mean, it would be a little bit of a scramble if you had to get there and then in the next month or two have a baby. But um, I just think you have to be open with whoever is in charge of like setting up your place and everything for the team and just kind of sometimes you have to be a little pushy and be like, this is what we need. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is what we want. And just mm -hmm. make sure that you're going to have, have at least the basics, the essentials. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they know too, you know, we're not in our homeland. Yes. <laughs> it's like we're in a different country and we're pregnant. We're having our baby here. So I know like yeah. Graz is really good about making you yeah. feel comfortable Europe is, with that. Yeah. Europe is super family orientated. They're used to babies and families and kids coming along um, with their dads and everything. So I think they're pretty good about setting you up with um, the stuff you need. And at least I, we never got any pushback in Graz. And <laughs> yeah. I know like on the expat page, like way before I ever thought this would be me doing this, um, all the girls, I remember saying like, 
have your babies in Europe. Like, just do it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, that kind of just makes sense for us as hockey waves. Like, you're, sometimes some people are able to work remotely or do certain jobs abroad, but it's kind of hard to have, like, for me, like, I'm used to working full-time when we're home in the States, but when I'm over there, like, I did some English teaching and stuff, but other than that, I'm just kind of, like, cleaning the apartment, like, 55 (laughs) times a day. I'm like, okay, well, it'd be nice to have, like, something or someone to look after and have a purpose, right? (laughs) And if, if we're in the States, like, having a baby, at least for me, like, I would only get three months max, Um, maternity leave so that was a big thing for us is like it's like built-in maternity leave and like bonding time and like spending that time with your new baby instead of worrying about jumping right back into life um, Mm -hmm. like we would be here so that was a big thing for us I know that's that's what I've always said to Charlie I'm like I'm not working right now I'm just sitting on this brown leather futon if you know again (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just like I need to like have my babies now like I don't want to you know be back home and then like you know kind of feel torn on like is this the right time because right now it just feels like such the right time for us at least it was very practical to to have him um while we were there like the timing of everything just worked out really well you had the majority of your pregnancy in the U.S. are you happy that you had that time with your friends and family Yes, that was actually really perfect in my eyes as well, because it was kind of, I think I had a little bit more here. I think I was 28 weeks-ish when I flew over to Austria. Mm-hmm. So the whole first part of the pregnancy and like when I started to get like my belly and everything um, was here in the U.S. and I got to see um some friends and family like you said and like have them experience part of my pregnancy at least um and have like some preparation I guess in more of an environment that I was used to and comfortable with Mm -hmm. um before I went over and kind of got super ready and set up over there to actually have him how was your first trimester Um, okay. So we actually (laughs) found out that we were pregnant, like, I want to say it was like two weeks before we were going to come home. So we were in playoffs and, um, the season was kind of wrapping up and we found out we were pregnant. So I had an OBGYN that I wanted to use, um, when we came back for like our prenatal care and everything. So I tried to squeeze in with her and get one appointment before we came back home to the States because, of course, wasn't going to have any insurance when we got back here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was supposed to be like six weeks, which by ultrasound, it's like very touchy if you're going to see much at that age. It's super, super tiny and like it's, the heartbeat is present, but it's like very faint at that point because it's just so small. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually went in for an ultrasound with our OBGYN in in Austria and we could see like a little tiny grain of rice but like could not see a heartbeat. So that was kind of rough because at that point we were leaving like two or three days later. Um, I didn't know if everything was going to be okay with the pregnancy we were going back to the States where like, I wasn't going to have health insurance. 
and I knew I would have to do a follow-up um, because we weren't able to like confirm the pregnancy and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was an anxious mess to say the least. I was like so paranoid that something was wrong. Um, I didn't know what we were going to be able to do as far as checkups and everything when we got to the States. Um, so I was very anxious and on the plane ride home, I was also very nauseous. <laughs> we had to, we landed in Washington duels, um, and we had to keep circling because it was super windy and planes were oh, having gosh. trouble landing. Yeah. So we had to circle for like an extra 35, 40 minutes and we're just going <laughs> through all this turbulence. And I was literally like, what do they call that? that brace position where you like have your head between your knees what? like I was literally in that oh like, I thought trying... you meant they were telling you to do that I was like oh, no, my God. no I just was like that because I was trying not to like literally toss my muffin or whatever they fed us that morning on the plane <laughs> and I just that was pretty awful um oh, but yeah That's a nightmare once we got back to the States, I was able to go into just like a pregnancy resource center and have another um, ultrasound, which actually my mom was at, which was actually kind of a nice, nice addition because my mom got to see the baby and we saw the heartbeat and everything looked good at that point. So that was a big relief um, once we got back to the States. And my first trimester after that was still a lot of anxiety, but Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy. I was like, just had mild morning nausea or actually just throughout the whole day nausea. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of, I was just anxious for the moment when I would know that everything was going to be okay. But spoiler alert, that never comes with children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll constantly be worrying for the rest of forever so yeah it's just what you signed up for with them I know and I I was the same way and I think like as you get a little bit further along you kind of start to get peace of mind that everything's yeah. good but there's still yeah. like the worry like what happens if I give birth and something's wrong or you know it's yeah there's no always it's, that, like, it's pretty constant but it definitely gets easier as like every every week or every month that ticks by you're like okay still going well, still everything's fine. So yeah, that subsided a lot in the second trimester, but that was my main first trimester thing was just a lot of anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. cause it was just a crazy time too. Like we were coming back from Austria. I was trying to get a job for the summer and get, um, health insurance. And, um, we were back and forth between Canada where my husband's from and the United States. So I was like having blood work in Canada and like bring the results with me to like my next appointment, which was in the U S like, it was just kind of a wild, wild ride there for the first couple months. Yeah. And I can't imagine, you know, going in for your ultrasound and not being able to see a heartbeat. I would be, you know, thinking yes. the worst possible situation. And you I do. You do. happened to me, but do you remember when I texted you, like, early on in my pregnancy, I had some spotting, and yeah. I was totally freaked out. Like, I thought, literally, worst case scenario, I was bawling, yes. super down for a few days. Um, and then, you know, your next appointment rolls around, and, like, you get that confirmation, and it just... Yeah, and they're, like, bigger and, like, moving around. I know. It's actually so crazy. Like, um, I'm 
obviously very familiar with the whole world of it, which is like almost worse. Like I feel like I knew too much. <laughs> yeah. So Cassie is an ultrasound technician. So yeah. yeah. How did that help benefit you throughout your pregnancy? I think in the beginning, it kind of made me more anxious just because I knew all the things that could go wrong. But further on, it did benefit me because when I was working over the summer, um, I would look at him like, I don't want to say daily, but it was pretty much daily. <laughs> you just hook yourself up to the machine. Just what's up? Yeah. What you doing yeah. <laughs> like I just like either like at the beginning of my shift or like at the end of the day before I left, I would just take a quick peek to see what he was up to, what he was doing. And it was actually really awesome. And I feel very fortunate that, um, I kind of had that experience with my pregnancy because I got to see him like grow at each stage and like just see so much of my pregnancy like from the inside which like some people only see their baby like once or twice by ultrasound through their whole pregnancy so um Mm -hmm. yeah I got to see him a lot and I have like probably eight bazillion ultrasound pictures printed out (laughs) when he gets older you're gonna be like and this is this he's gonna be like mom yeah this is your brain yeah like all this like random stuff that no one else cares to look at but yeah it's funny, once you're pregnant, though, you, like, love looking at those pictures of even other people's ultrasounds. You're like, oh, my gosh, so cute. But then people, like, some people don't think it's cool at all. No, they're <laughs> like, okay, that stuff. looks like nothing. That's a gray blob. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In the U.S., I, and it's the same as what you just said, I only get two throughout my whole pregnancy, which is weird to me like how do you know everything's okay (laughs) so I've gone to like a third party place like one of those 3d ultrasounds and I haven't had the 3d ultrasound but um just with COVID going on Charlie has not been able to come to my OB the whole time so oh um, yeah at the private place he is allowed to so it's kind of just by practice but once you got to Europe I feel like I remember you saying that you get a lot more ultrasounds over there yeah so it actually differs a bit um, how we do it in the U.S. is <clears throat> you see your OBGYN and they send you for an ultrasound. So in the U.S., ultrasound is its own profession. Like we are specifically trained to do ultrasounds and that's all we do and we're good at it. <laughs> okay. um, but overseas, in some countries, they have it like that. And actually in Austria, they do too. Um, For your main ultrasound, you will go to a specific place to have a detailed ultrasound done. But the doctors, the OBGYNs, are also trained in ultrasound and they're really good at it. So they actually will scan you at every appointment. They'll check your cervix. They'll show you the baby. They'll do measurements. Um, So every time you go in for like a regular OB appointment, you'll have an ultrasound, which is different. In the US, we don't do that. They'll do like a Doppler heartbeat, but they won't do an actual scan. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of fun um, as the patient to get, (laughs) to see them every, like every month or every two months when you go in, when you're over there. And um, our OBGYN was really sweet and she would, Rory was always hiding like behind his cord his cord was always in his face (laughs) so when she would try to do the 3d which she would every appointment um we could never get really a great picture because his cord was in the way and she was so sweet about it she'd be like oh I'm so sorry like I'm trying to get a good one and like 
I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, I can see it. Like, I, I see him there, whatever. And she's like, oh, that's not a good one. Like, she was so funny. Um, but yeah, you do get lots of scans over there. And she, my OB, so I recommend her. Shout out Dr. Housebrand. <laughs> she's like the team. I'm like, let me get my notepad really quick. <laughs> yeah, she's like the team OBGYN. Like, everybody goes to her. It's really funny. Um, but she is really great and like does um like 3d scans and everything when you go in so and she does that for free because that's like expensive yeah no it's like part of your appointment i know people pay a lot of money (laughs) and that's the one (laughs) where you can see what their face is gonna look like right yeah yeah they're really cool the 3ds i mean it's very positionally dependent and things um like i said with rory he never really gave us a great one but um she at least tries and like if you do get a good one that's like such a great keepsake and this comes with your regular doctor's appointment so I know on the regular ultrasound like when I see him roll over and face the camera I'm like oh my god this looks like an alien like this doesn't even look like a like a child like I don't please turn away (laughs) I know I always tell patients that I'm like he's really he or she so they're like they're really a lot cuter than they look in here yeah <laughs> I know I like when it's like the profile picture and then you can kind of yeah, see like the yeah. nose and the mouth and I saw him yawning last appointment but then when it's like face on it's just it doesn't even look like, like a little skeleton in so and then kind of like where I think a lot of people are super interested in is like actually having your baby and like what that experience is like. Right. So yeah, we should we, get into that. Yeah. And before we get into like the actual birth aspect of it, did you have any questions or concerns? Like was there a language barrier? Did you feel like super comfortable? So when we told people we were having a baby in Europe, they thought we were insane. Um, they were like, what? Why would you ever do that? It's got to be so scary, intimidating and everything. But honest to God, I did not feel that way. Um, I was super laid back about it. Europe has like a really more like let things flow, like natural feel about it and like that's kind of what I was looking for in a birth experience so in that way I was more excited to have a baby in Europe than I would be to have one here um so I was pretty calm about it in that regard and of course I had known and talked to girls who had their babies in Europe and had a great experience and like had no you know trauma or complaints or anything so Mm-hmm. I was just more excited and I tried not to like really worry about the complications of it with like the language barrier and everything. Yeah, so leading up to it, I I wasn't I wasn't really nervous. I was just like I think this is like they know what they're doing. It's it's going to go well. Um I like that in Austria and I think in a lot of places in Europe they have midwives in the hospital like as far as I know, in the U.S., you can hire a midwife to work with or doula, but, like, that's not the standard of care. Like, normally, if you go in for a hospital delivery, you'll have doctors and nurses deliver you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Austria, you have midwives, and they are with you through your labor, and they do the delivery, and, like, literally, the doctor comes in after the baby's born to, like, check check them over, check you over, and that's that's it. So it's midwives and they're great at what they do. And that was one thing I loved about having him in Austria. And so 
what exactly is the difference between a midwife and a doctor? So would the doctor come in if there was like a complication? And like you needed um, an emergency C-section or something or like how does that? Okay. Yeah. So C-sections, anything surgical um, would be done by a doctor, but midwives are more, not to say a doctor couldn't help you through labor, but midwives are trained to help you through labor and to get you in different positions that are easier for you to labor in and help you with pain management and um, breathing and all that stuff. So it's really like the labor part that they specialize in. And then of course, when you get to the end stages of labor and you're actually delivering um, medically, they're trained to deliver the baby as well. So I just feel like they have more knowledge of the whole experience where in my eyes, a doctor's like, it's very like cut and dry, like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's get the baby out. And that's really all they do. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like they help a little bit more like emotionally as well. Yeah. Yeah. They're very supportive. Um, They just, I feel like they just have a great education in how women go through labor and they just know how to help you through it. So let's now go to your due date. It's December Mm -hmm. 1st, your due date, (laughs) and there's a hockey game. And Cassie's just sending messages in the group chat. And we're all talking about how we're going to meet downstairs, walk over to the game together. And then she just goes silent. (laughs) So we're like, okay, I guess Cassie's not coming. Like speculation that she could be in labor. And then we get to the game, Matt scratched. We're like, she's for sure in labor. And like, we're yeah, yeah. Out. So you literally, your water broke on your due date. It did. Take yes. it from here. Tell us about it. <laughs> okay. So I'm actually going to dial it back like one day. Okay. Um, the day before I was like, so determined not to go over my due date. So the day before I was doing like all the things, um, well, I had been like days before that too. The raspberry leaf tea, I literally consumed an entire pineapple by myself. Like, Matt wasn't even allowed to have a bite. I was like, I need this pineapple for my cervix, okay? (laughs) So, I did that, and then we went to um, Schlossberg downtown, which is like a big clock tower on a huge hill, and we walked, I think we went up the stairs, so that's like the steep part, you know? On the one side, you go up the stairs. I don't even know how many stairs it is, but it's a lot of stairs. Oh, damn. And girl. then, <laughs> I know. And then we walked around the Christmas markets up there. You know, um, t- I don't tell anyone, but I tasted a little, uh, what do they call that? It's like schnapps. Oh, gl- uh, gla- or No, it wasn't glue wine. It was oh, actually schnapps. It was like liquor. Okay. okay. Just a little taste. <laughs> don't tell anyone. I'm going to say it on the podcast, but other than that. <laughs> Yeah, no, don't tell anyone outside of the podcast that that happened. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we walked all the way back down the Schlossberg Hill. I was doing, like, these curb walks, which is supposed to, like, move the baby down. I don't know, girl. I was literally doing everything. So the next day, due date, I wake up. Um, it's game day, so we're going through our routine. And I'm, like, making – it was an early game because it was a Sunday. So I was making um, like a big like brunch type pregame thing. 
And um, I'm like, I don't know, like, I feel like I'm kind of having these contractions, but like, I'm not going to say anything because I'm like the kind of person where like I hide things until I can't anymore. So um, I was timing them while I'm making the brunch and they were seven minutes apart. So I'm like, okay, is this like real labor or is this like pre-labor? Like, what what is this? Like what that feels like? Like how do I can try? It's like. I kind of, the best way I can describe it is like a little wave that goes up, like you got this big belly at this point, right? And it's like a wave that goes up it. And it's not, at this point, they weren't painful at all. It was just like kind of this tightening. And I kind of would feel it come like a wave. And then like it would stay for like a minute or less. And then it would go away. And then seven minutes later, the wave would come back. And so eventually after like maybe... 30 45 minutes of this I'm like I'm having contractions and Matt was like what like <laughs> it's like a matter of fact they announced that like I was having these contractions I'm like yeah well it doesn't hurt but like there's like I'm watching and they're like they're like seven minutes apart and like yeah I think these are contractions and he's like well, what do I do do I call down like should I like should we go to the hospital I'm like no like not yet not yet like it's not it's not that serious yet like they might go away because I was like convinced they were gonna go away so I'm like they're probably gonna go away like we'll just go on about our day and see what happens so then we lay down for pregame nap um I decided I was gonna nap with him at this this point in my big old you don't need to clarify that I do that every single time (laughs) yeah right like there's I should what a joke like I almost always pregame nap so um we get up from our nap like I'm kind of like still laying in bed Matt gets up and goes and gets in the shower and I like go to roll over a little bit and like I'm like what was that feeling like there was like I actually heard it like there was like a little pop and I was like so afraid to move I was like okay something just happened I don't want to move and then I laid there for a minute and the contractions came back and they were stronger um, and I got up and I was like, okay, I'm not, I'll spare you the details, but I was like, definitely water broke. Um, so I go into the bathroom, Matt's in the shower. I'm like, my water broke. And he's like, are you kidding? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm serious this time. My water broke. This is it. We're do- like, we're going to be in labor here. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like that's when like the guy realizes that you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah no like, like literally wait, it hits them like a ton of bricks like they're like okay we're about to have a baby <laughs> forget that whole the past nine months of like you growing and everything it's yeah. just hits them all at once yeah um so he calls Doug and like literally Doug picks up the phone he's like Cass is in labor he's like yep he's like all right good luck and then we oh. since my water broke we're like we're not gonna wait like we should go I, as much of a planner and, like, a list maker and everything that I am, I did not have my hospital backpack. You what? I did not have my bag packed. No. Yes. I know. Like, the number one thing they're, like, have you You are so chill. I was, like, I was, like, I'll do it. I'll do it when I do it. Like, uh, I had the bag sitting there. There was just nothing in it. (laughs) Um... Well, that's so, the main part, Cass. <laughs> I know, I know. And major fail, I threw, like, some random clothing in there. I think I had, I had, like, some things I needed, like, my nipple cream and all that was in there. Um, so I quick threw my bag together, 
um, we went to the hospital and yeah, like we didn't really even like, it was such a, like a, cause I didn't really expect like my water to break. Like that's like pretty uncommon. Like it's not like it, the labor thing is like not like how it happens in the movies, but like mine was <laughs> like my water <laughs> broke when I was napping. Like it was just like the whole thing. So I did not expect that. So I was like, Oh my God, here we go. So we go to the hospital and like, we didn't really have time to like tell anyone from the team. Like I did even quick, just like texted my family and said like, we're going to the hospital. And like, I didn't talk to them again until after he was born, which was actually really cruel. And they were <laughs> not happy with me for doing that. Did Matt um, keep them posted or anything? Or was it just kind of so like, I'm like, this a is a little happening. bit, but like, you're so absorbed in like everything that's going on. Like you kind of want to, update them but at the same time like you don't want to miss anything because it's such like a powerful consuming experience yeah we drove to the hospital we had done like our pre-labor um practice run where we knew where to park um and where to go once we got there so matt dropped me off he went and parked a car we went in we said um uh, we're in labor. They basically take take you into a room and check your cervix, see how dilated you are. When we got there, I was only two centimeters, which is a little underwhelming. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> it? Like, what? Because after my water broke, the contractions got a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and they were actually real contractions at that point. So they send us upstairs to, like, the maternity ward. Um, I went and like did the shower, um, just kept the sprayer on my belly, which helped a ton. Totally recommend that if you have to wait for your cervix to dilate. Um, did the water. And then after a while, they came back up to check on me. They're like, do you want us to check you again? They did. I was three centimeters. Cool. One centimeter <laughs> after like whatever it was, but like hours. Um so I waited a little bit longer upstairs, just kind of trying to distract myself. And then they checked me again, and I think I was four. So they brought us back down to, like, the labor and delivery area. And so once you get to a certain point, does it just start to speed up immensely? Or does it just keep going that slow up until you get to, like, where you're dilated enough to start pushing? Personally, I think I had a very typical first labor, and mine was about 10 hours Okay. after my water broke, so not counting the contractions in the earlier part of the day. Okay. So my water broke at 1, and he was born at like 10.45. Okay. So like 10, 11 hours. Um, but once I got down to the actual labor and delivery suite, I went in the tub and that was huge for me. Like that really helped me get through like the longest part of dilating and um, just getting through those hours of contractions. And then she wanted to get me out to check again. And I think at that point I was like, maybe I was four or five at that point, And I just felt like it was taking forever. Um, but then that is the point. Like, she checked in. She's like, well, you, I think it was the first five or the hardest or something. So she told me that. She was like, 
you're through the hardest part. Like that's the, the hardest. And I was like, whatever, like it's still <laughs> so much longer to go. Like I'm only halfway there. And then it just sped up from there. Like, I think I, in the next 45 minutes to an hour, I was like 10 and ready to go. So, um, the last part was quicker. The first half. So the first like four or five centimeters feels like an eternity and it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So like, what are some things that Matt did that was helpful to you? I honestly didn't give him much direction, which is kind of mean. Cause he was like asking me like, what do you want me to do? And like, how should I act? And I was like, I don't know, just like read me and like do what I need. And he was like, that's literally not helpful. Um, <laughs> But he actually really surprised me and did great in there. Um, he was, he's not a very verbal person, I guess. Like he's pretty shy and like withdrawn in a lot of situations. And that's kind of what I expected. But he was really like, um, I actually ended up using the gas, gas and air, they call it, um, to get through, through like transition and the worst part of labor. Um, that was like the pain medicine so to speak that I chose and I used um and <laughs> you're supposed to breathe deeply in and out through the mask when you're having a contraction and then when you're con when you're not having a contraction you're supposed to take it away but I didn't want to take it away like I just wanted to keep breathing it the whole time <laughs> and um so his job was to take the mask away in between contractions and also there's certain parts where like it's like for me like when I am pain like I hold my breath and that's the opposite of what you're supposed to do you need to breathe so he was just really helpful in reminding me to breathe um and just getting me through like those worst contractions where I needed to like breathe through the mask and then of course take it away when I wasn't supposed to be breathing it but I still wanted to <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, the pain is probably indescribable. It's like you can only say so much of, or describe so much of what it's like, but until you actually go through it, you really don't know. But I yeah. think also, like, I kind of have sympathy for the guys as well, just because, like, probably seeing your wife go through that is probably really stressful. Oh, yeah. I think they feel, like, super helpless. Um, and I think he enjoyed like that he had like a role like the midwife kind of give him those instructions with the breathing and the mask and whatever and like he jumped right into that because he wanted something to focus on too like he wanted to ha like play a role and feel like he was helping right so mm -hmm. yeah he did and he did great and that was really helpful for me looking and back when you started pushing and then he came out how long was it like did you just have to do a few pushes or what was like well I told her I was like I think I need to push like I feel like I need to push and she was like no like you're not quite there yet because I think I was like between nine and ten centimeters and she wanted me to wait and I was like no like he wants to come out like I was telling, her, <laughs> I was telling her no like I'm pretty sure he wants to come out um, and then shortly after she was like, okay, like you're okay to push now. And I think, I mean, I don't know exactly how long it was, but I want to say it was like less than 10 minutes that I pushed for. Wow. And that's like yeah. the pro people, I hear that's like the relieving part. The hardest part is the labor. Yes. Then yeah. once you're no. pushing, it's once like, all right. Once you get to that stage, it's like, you can feel like the productiveness of it. And like with each, 
each contraction is doing doing its job and that part is I mean it hurts still don't get me wrong um but it's you know you're at the end and you know you're so close to meeting them and getting to hold them so like that part is definitely the light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can only imagine and so I know in Austria he wasn't able to stay overnight right right okay could you pay for him to be able to stay overnight or is it just like definitely not allowed so the thing the one thing that I would change like my I had him at the Elkaka which is the public hospital in Graz and that's where most of the babies are born but there's also a private hospital um which isn't far away and I kind of wish I would have looked more into having him at the private hospital because you can pick you can my midwife at the public hospital was great but you can pick your midwife um and you can have them there for your birth at the private hospital and you get your own room and I'm not sure about your husband being able to stay but since you're in your own room I would guess maybe they can Mm -hmm. um but with the public hospital you can have like up to like four other people in the room with you and their babies and yeah your your husband can't stay overnight um they can come for like the entire day. I think it's like, they don't, they're not super strict on when they kick him out. It was maybe like eight, nine o'clock when he would go home for the day um, mm-hmm. when we were there, but he could spend almost the whole day with us. But yeah, on the night, in the night, it's just you and them. So looked into the, the public or the private one a little bit just to see. Cause like for in Austria, like we weren't paying anything for the delivery. Like it might have been worth it to pay a little bit and have that different um, experience in the hospital after. Especially yeah. because our experience was like not that great with the public hospital. Like the labor and delivery was great. I have no complaints about that. But like the after the maternity care was not a great experience for me. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next week.